0: This episode of Prem Brulee is sponsored by The Vintage Wave, an online boutique sports apparel store with throwbacks and unique one-of-a-kind vintage goods. From new Mitchell Ness looks to classic Nike and Adidas looks, The Vintage Wave has everything a sports or fashion fan could need. Visit them online at TheVintageWave.com. You're listening to the Holyfield Holyfield Podcast. Podcast. Okay, welcome back to... Another episode of Prem Brûlée. This episode is different once again for the third time in a row. This time I don't even have a co-host. I'm rocking solo today. We'll have a new one for you for episode four, but wanted to set the expectation that it could be a co-host, it could be no host, it could just be me. So here we are, episode three, solo edition Prem Brûlée. Hopefully you guys still dig it. And if not, someone will be back here to help me next time. By now, you know how we do it. Our first category is called Yeah, Fam, or Nah. I'm going to read some headlines from the week in sports, and I'll tell you if I agree, Yeah, Fam, or disagree, nah. So last episode, Akshay and I went over some record NFL signings or re-signings. We went over Odell Beckham becoming the highest paid wide receiver, Aaron Rodgers becoming the highest paid player ever, and went over a Geno Atkins contract. Well, we also covered that the Rams looked like they were making moves to make way for a big Aaron Donald extension, and we did not lie to you. They made it official that they extended Aaron Donald's contract to a six-year, $135 million with. A whopping $87 million guaranteed. He had the richest contract for a defensive player in NFL history for all of drum roll. About 24 hours. Because the next headline is Khalil Mack being traded from the Oakland Raiders to the Chicago Bears and subsequently signing an extension with the Bears for six years, $141 million, with 90 of it guaranteed making him, actually, the richest defensive contract in NFL history. So, that's a lot to digest, but basically, it is my way of recapping some big contracts for defense, big defensive players, star defensive players in the National Football League. Akshat and I already covered Aaron Donald being re-signed. Obviously, a yeah him to that. The second headline has to do with Khalil Mack. Him being traded from the Oakland Raiders to the Chicago Bears, I wanted to cover in Yafe yeah, or Nah, because there's a lot of wrinkles to this. Not only this the record signing with ninety million dollars guaranteed, but the other pieces to this trade. So Khalil Mack and a second round pick were sent to Chicago, while Chicago sent a 2019 first round pick, a 2020 first round pick, and future third and in sixth-round picks back to Oakland. After that, that's when Khalil Mack signed his extension for the numbers we talked about. So basically, I'm with a lot of people here. A huge YAF yeah fan to the Chicago Bears. Love what they're doing with their team. They have a young defense, a young core that the sky's the limit. It might not be their year this year, especially in a difficult NFC North, but it is definitely trending upwards. They're taking advantage of of their contract space while they have rookie, well, second-year quarterback Mitchell Trubisky still on a rookie contract. That brings me to John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders. A huge nod to whatever the hell they're doing out there, and whatever the hell cockiness has gotten up John Gruden's ass to think he doesn't need someone like Khalil Mack. And not only that, doesn't need to communicate with Khalil Mack for months. I hate this for Oakland fans, and you know they hated getting rid of Cleo Mack. I just don't think you get rid of a generational player such as Mack if you don't need to. Pay the damn man, and at the very least, communicate with him. The one thing the Rams did well is their coach and everyone was talking to him. The conversation, the dialogue was going. At least you saw something good if you're an LA Rams fan. The Raiders hadn't even spoken to Cleo Mack's side, which is... Such bad news, and it's so unfortunate for a fan base who's hanging on to their last year of the Raiders. So I'm a huge nod to this from the Raiders' standpoint, but the Bears picking up one of the top three defensive players, arguably, in the entire league in his prime is a huge yeah, fam. I'd gladly give up first-round picks, and especially if the idea is that you're going to end up being good, because they get Khalil Mack and... And a second-round pick back from Oakland? Oakland's going to suck, and that second-round pick's going to be almost borderline first, so good for them, good for Chicago. They've been suffering through some rough years post-Super Bowl appearance, so yeah, fam, Khalil Mack, now a Chicago Bear, good for him. He gets paid. Aaron Donald gets paid. I love the direction that the NFL is going and paying their players. Akshay and I talked about uh, couldn't be happier for these, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come. The other headline I wanted to cover for the week had to do with uh, my one of my new favorite legendary players, uh, Knicks legend Walt Clyde Frazier. He recently said in an interview that he puts an asterisk on one snake a.k.a. Kevin Durant's name, when making an all-time great players list. Quote, he joined a team that really didn't need him. I can't stress this enough. Kevin Durant has zero rings in my book and should in yours too. He's the ultimate snake. And now that I think of it, while Clyde Frazier has always been my favorite player, I couldn't yaffam this anymore. We might have to dedicate a whole category for Clyde Frazier just for throwing this asterisk bomb out there for us to consume. So it's the goodest time as ever to remind you that Kevin Durant has zero rings. Um, and he's soulless. So there you have it. And that's going to wrap up. Yeah, fair, or nah. Leads us right into my likey, no likey, and hate it from the week. My good, bad, and ugly from the week in sports. And like I've hinted plenty of times, I'm an Ohio State fan through and through. So these first couple have directly to do with them and college football starting this past weekend. My likey goes to Ohio State's offense, putting up a whopping 77 points in their opener against Oregon State. It is a big likey to the Dwayne Haskins, a.k.a. Dwayne Hasky Cakes era in Columbus. Loving every second of it. He looked confident. I think he started the game about 8 for 8. Loving the feel to this. Yes, it was just Oregon State, but it was nice to get off to that hot of a start. That also leads into my no likey for the week. Uh, Yeah, you might say I'm nitpicking, but... I've also reminded you them, the ultimate pessimist as a fan, but an ultimate optimist in regular day life. So, since this has to do with sports, a no-likey to Ohio State's defense giving up 31 points to Oregon State, arguably one of the worst teams in FBS football. They were getting gashed for some big runs and passes, had poor tackling and missed assignments. At least I hope there were missed assignments with how wide open some of the receivers were. So, definite room for improvement, but luckily the offense more than held their own uh, to, to minimize what that score looked like. Still over a 40-point win, so can't complain too much. But no likey because we got some serious games coming up that that defense can't be making mistakes for. Another kind of OSU-related one, a uh, likey to LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, who formerly as recent as Spring Ball was at Ohio State, he graduated and transferred to LSU won their starting job and then led them to an upset victory over then number 8, Miami, 33-17 in a Sunday night opening weekend game. Love it. Buckeye fans are with Joe Burrow. We're rooting for him this year and going to be following him, so it's cool to see that the guy who didn't win the job at Ohio State won one in an SEC school and is already off to a great start in a tough matchup to open the season. Okay, so I, I got a little personal last last week, called out a friend. I wanted to keep that going just so I spice it up, and maybe these listeners, you guys will get to know me, and I can give you guys call-outs just like this one. I had a friend mention that Eminem's new surprise album, Kamikaze, was a potential album of the year, and in doing so bashed my current album of the year, Travis Scott's World, which was featured on my What I Was Feeling last episode, by the way, harmless plug. This no likey is dedicated to you, Namdi, for that shit take and you being blinded by just an okay Eminem album after some poopy ones. This has recovery written all over it, recovery post-relapse, and I'd just like everybody to know that when we look back on this, I was right. Okay, I need to take a deep breath before my hate it this week, because I'm fired up about it. My hate it goes to Nick fucking Sabin. Yes, Arguably the best coach in college football, he absolutely deserves it. So, Alabama won their opening game against Louisville. ESPN reporter finds him after the game, Maria Taylor is her name, asked a very fair question regarding the high-profile QB battle that Alabama's gone through between Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts. Highly publicized, especially after Alabama is the reigning national champs, struggled in the first half, came back under Tua Tagovaiola. Quote, well, I still like both guys. I think both guys are good players. I think both guys can help our team, all right? So why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to, so quit asking. Tagovailoa started the game that resulted in Alabama beating Louisville 51-14. to He went 12-for-16 for for 227 yards and had two touchdowns. Hertz also played was just 5-for-9 for for 70 yards. So Nick, here's the breakdown. This is a situation you create yourself by continually being frustrated with reporters doing their goddamn job. You get paid $8 million and answering questions is part of your job description at a high-profile job like Alabama. Here, how easy could this have been? Quote, Tua has worked his way into being named the starter of our football team. We value Jalen Hurts, who we know will stay ready since he's one play away from entering the game and is a leader on our football team. There, that easy. Was that so fucking hard, Nick? Instead, you choose to embarrass a reporter doing her job. You've done it repeatedly in press conferences with your dumbass Coca-Cola sitting next to you. Stop acting like you don't deserve questions about a situation you haven't done anything to get rid of. It was so easy to name a starter, but no, you just wanted to leverage it to keep Jalen Hurts on your roster so he wouldn't transfer. Saban has since apologized to Taylor, but I genuinely believe it's just because he got backlash. I genuinely believe Nick Saban's an asshole. Sure, he's earned that right, but I'm tired of coaches acting like a reporter's not doing their job or acting like dealing with the press isn't part of their job description. It's fucking bullshit. Nick Saban's from the same school of thought as Bill Belichick, like he can't be bothered to ask a very valid question when he could have ended the conversation by saying Tua was a starter way earlier. So fuck out of here, Nick. Hate it to that. Another light lighter hate it leading into the rest of the podcast is exactly 11 years after Ohio State fans' second favorite team, Appalachian State, upset then number 5 Michigan – The same university had an opportunity to pull another huge upset against a ranked Big Ten opponent in Penn State. Appalachian State was so close, they were an iffy end-of-regulation decision away from completing the upset in Happy Valley against Penn State before they eventually lost in overtime by 7. All Appalachian State had to do, they had a 3rd and 4, about 40 seconds left and 2 timeouts, they chose to throw deep, I really wish they could have that playback and choose to run it and see how it went. Instead, Appalachian State attempted a 54-yard field goal that, that missed leading to overtime, and you just knew momentum would be on the side of the home team in Penn State. Would have loved to see the upset. Yes, it's not good for my conference, but exactly 11 years to the date since they upset Michigan would be incredible to see. Maybe teams will start learning their lesson, not scheduling a t- an opponent like Appalachian State to open their season. Next up is Waladi da. It is our section where we highlight the best of the worst, the impressively unimpressive by players on losing teams and losing efforts. Okay, the best QB performance and the best wide receiver performance from week one of college football went to players in losing efforts. KJ Carter-Samuels is a quarterback for Colorado State. He threw for a whopping 537 yards, five touchdowns to just one interception on 34 of 50 passing, but his team lost to Hawaii, 43 to 34. Similarly, Dwayne Eskridge, wide receiver for Western Michigan, caught eight passes for 240 yards and two touchdowns, but his team lost to Syracuse, 55 to 42. Lottie frickin' da, those big statistical games in losing efforts, KJ Carter-Samuels and Dwayne Eskridge, Lottie frickin' da to you. This one's a little bit more sad of one. it is meant no ill will to the pitcher because he's doing his darnness, but New York Mets pitcher Jacob DeGrom has an MLB-leading 1.68 ERA, but thanks to his team, the New York Mets, he has just an 8-8 record. DeGrom has allowed three runs or fewer in 25 consecutive starts, which ties an MLB record in the modern era. Lottie frickin' da to that Mets offense. Yikes. I could not imagine being a pitcher on your best stuff all year just to result in a 500 record. He deserves so much better. And if he gets to even 10 wins, give that man a Cy Young for crying out loud. After Lottie frickin' da comes Should They Be Worried?, it's my version of a panic-don't-panic. Panic. This first one is low-hanging fruit, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, as of one week before Game 1, star running back Le'Veon Bell had not reported or signed his franchise tag contract, a one-year deal for $14.5 million. This time last year, Bell had been holding out but showed up roughly a week before the game, so this is a little bit different. He's definitely flirting with potentially not playing in Game 1. Should they be worried? I think the Steelers should. This is a little different. You're not hearing as much about Bell being in shape. You're not hearing much from his camp. And him coming this close to game plan implementation means he could likely be left out, which is a big impact for those of us in fantasy football. And not just that, Steelers fans across the country. So if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm definitely worried. James Conner is a good backup, but... He is no Le'Veon Bell. There's only one of those. So they lose a lot out of their passing game and running game. A lot of versatility in Bell. So I'd be worried if I was the Steelers. Long run, at least you're getting your star back. So hopefully he does show up. The next one is a conference as a whole. My fellow Big Ten teams did not show up in week one of college football. And I wanted to assess whether the Big Ten should be worried or Big Ten fans in general. As we all know, there's only four sh- spots in the college football playoff, and it is not great when a conference isn't doing well, even for the winner of that conference, because it hurt their strength of schedule. So, this past week, Michigan lost. They lost another big game in a marquee matchup. Yikes, Harbaugh. This time, they fell to Notre Dame, 24-17. to It's a separate topic, but openly wondering whether Michigan fans want Harbaugh gone, and if so, what's the next move? This is a uh, dream higher, and he's not living up to it so far in addition to Michigan Penn State struggled as we already covered and Michigan State had to survive against Utah State just like Penn State had to against Appalachian State Wisconsin despite winning and having a very easy schedule did not look that impressive in their opener should they be worried I would say no not yet as College football doesn't have the luxury of having preseason to prepare. So I think that can result in a lot of teams looking rusty and working out their kinks as the season goes on. So I have to give the benefit of the doubt to my home conference and hope that they do better. Hope it was a fluke that this game one was just some jitters that they had to work out. So I'm going to go with not worried yet. Be cautiously optimistic here as as an Ohio State fan and a Big Ten fan. That our competition is up to snuff so that whoever does win the conference does get a college football playoff spot. Okay, that leads us into who you got and what you feeling. It's a chance to make a few game picks, general picks, and uh, describe what we're feeling this week. So last episode, Akshat and I covered a few different things. We went over the college football coaching carousel with all the new hires that debuted in week one. And we talked about the moves we loved the most, hated the most, and ones we thought would surprise. Akshat said he really loved the Scott Frost hire. We are still awaiting the start of that because Nebraska's game got canceled due to weather, lightning. So that will be interesting to see in week two. I said I really loved the Dan Mullen move to Florida. We both hated the move of Willie Taggart to Florida State and ended up being kind of right about that because Florida State did not look impressive in their Labor Day matchup against Virginia Tech. Akshat thought Chip Kelly's hire would surprise, even though they have one of the youngest teams in the country. They lost a close game to a uh, Cincinnati Bearcats football team. I thought Herm Edwards would surprise being a player's coach, so it remains to be seen. We also covered the Alabama quarterback situation, which we found w- it did end up being too a tag of Viola, like we both picked. And their offense looked dangerous with him at the helm. With the NFL season approaching, we covered who we'd take with the first pick in fantasy football drafts. Akshat and I both love Todd Gurley, and I can tell you I lived up to that. In the opportunities I got, I took Gurley. Also love Le'Veon Bell, but not feeling any better about that as he continues to not report and sign his contract. And then uh, we went over what would be more difficult—a no hitter or a cycle. Actually, I chose to go no hitter, and I, I chose the cycle as being tough, strictly because of that triple is rough to get. This week, I wanted to keep it a little bit more traditional and make some game picks. I wanted to cover a college football game, so I chose number twelve USC visiting number nine Stanford, who are both one and zero, a Pac-12 marquee matchup to pretty much start their season interesting to note is this week two of college football does not have the ranked versus ranked matchups like it did in week one we went from four matchups in week one down to just this one this USC Stanford game in week two for this game I think I'm going with Stanford it seems like a toss-up but when in doubt I go with the home team and a team that can control the clock I gotta think Bryce Love has a better game than he did in in the first one and I think that Stanford like to give more credit to game plan to get him some more opportunities. With the NFL starting, I wanted to pick a NFL game to, to select from. I'll do my best to keep a variety of these so we cover more than one team. The first matchup I wanted to pick was the Kansas City Chiefs visiting the Los Angeles Chargers, an AFC West showdown to start the season. Of course, this marks the beginning of the Pat Mahomes era in Kansas City. He'll face a veteran, Phillip Rivers, with a very young and improving defense led by my boy Joey Bosa. Go Bucks! The Chargers are currently favored by 3.5 points, not a lot, but I am going to go with the home team here and the experience at quarterback. I think Pat Mahomes is going to be likely to make some mistakes, and the Chargers have just the defense to capitalize on that. The Chiefs do have a lot more offensive weapons for Pat Mahomes to stretch the field with. But uh, I'm going to go with defense and an experienced quarterback and pick the L.A. Chargers for this one, especially with a relative un- unknown in Kansas City. All right, so what I'm feeling this past week was a football field w- weekend. College football is back, and I had another few days full of fantasy football drafts. I had my brother in town, a close friend, spent time with the misses. So give me a Labor Day with zero labor anytime. I'm all for it. Also, uh, I wanted to highlight one of my favorite shows ever, Sons of Anarchy, has a spinoff series that started, Minds MC. I'm very pumped about it. I'm very pumped to see what creator Kurt Sutter takes a little different of a motorcycle club and how he applies that same universe to a brand new setting. I'm really pumped about it. My favorite series of all time gets a spinoff. Of course, you know how we end every episode My too much sense. I love giving advice. It's usually more than two cents worth. So it's my chance to educate the masses even if they didn't think they needed advice. So this week's is about valuing your commitment. Don't be known to back out of something you committed to. If you say you're going to be somewhere, if you say you're going to do something, be there. Do it. Stick out from the crowd of people who find excuses so they can fail to live up to their commitment doesn't matter how small or big the commitment is, treat the places you say you'll be and the things you say you'll do as if someone is depending on them. That's something I implement all the time. It makes you known to be something that people can count on and there's worse things to be known for. So that's my too much sense for the week. Value your commitments. I think we find it too easy to make excuses these days. So that's my too much sense and I hope you guys dig it. That brings us to the end of this episode, my solo debut. We'll be back with another co-host on Prem Brule. As always, check out our other Holyfield podcast. Subscribe, listen, do all that. Visit holyfield.co. We love the support, love the feedback. And we'll see you next time for the number one podcast in your headphones. Don't ever get it twisted. Don't ever forget it. Prem Brule in your headphones. We'll be back for episode four. Thank you.